Ecclesiastes chapter 3. We're going to get right into it here this morning. Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Verse 1. excited that you're able to be with us here this morning. I'm just so pumped about what God is doing here. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 1, it says, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. Now jump down to verse 11. It says, he has made everything beautiful in its, in its what? In its what? In its time. Father, let this be the right time, at the right place, with the right people, with the right message here today. Remove me, place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit. Let he that has an ear, let him hear. Father, we give you the glory, the honor, and the praise in Jesus' name. And we all said, before you're seated, I want you to shake your neighbor's hand and tell them it's time for some action. It's time for some attitude. And it's time for some authority. Then you may be seated. Now, if you've been here in the Hayward area, in the Bay Area, hasn't it been hot lately? It's been hot, real hot. Now, I want to ask you a question. Would you walk outside in this hot weather drenched in your sweater and sweatpants? Would you do that? Nah. Would you go in the wintertime to the San Francisco area? And would you go there in the freezing cold with the drizzling rain? Would you go out there with sandals and shorts and a tank top? Yeah. Now, if you're crazy folk, of course you would. But on the natural, you wouldn't normally do that. Then I want to ask you, ask you another question. Then why do we... Walk outside to the world without God's blessings. Without understanding what God wants to do within our lives. We do that almost every time in the, in the spiritual. The Bible says in Acts chapter 20 verse 35, Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. In other words, there are two different seasons, but one season you get a little bit more blessed. There is a time within that season where you're able to receive. There is a time within the season. Matter of fact, even here within America, we created a whole season and we called it Christmas where we're able to receive. There is those seasons that you have. On your birthdays, you receive things. In certain seasons that you have, you're receiving and you're wondering, man, where are all these blessings coming from? I mean, I'm just getting blessed left and right. Has anybody ever been in that season before where you've just been getting blessed and blessed? Like, man, how did I get this car? I don't know how I got this. How did this happen? Man, somebody blessed me. Where'd this come from? Because you have seasons within your life. There are certain times within your life where you're just receiving, but there's also another season where you get more blessed. And the season is called where you're able to give. See, the thing about it is that you do not want to miss your season. Look at your neighbor and say, don't miss it. There's a story of a young man who was getting ready to graduate college. And for many months, he had admired a beautiful sports car in a dealer's showroom. And knowing that his father could well afford it, he told them that that's all he wanted for his graduation. 
As the day of graduation approached, the young man awaited signs that his father had purchased the car. And then finally, on the morning of his graduation, his father called him into his private study. His father told him how proud he was to have such a fine son. And he told him how much he had loved him. Then he handed his son a beautiful wrapped gift box. Curious but somewhat disappointed, the young man opened the box and found a holy Bible. Very mad and very upset, he raised his voice in his father and said, with all the money, that, with all your money that you have, you give me a Bible? As he said that, he stormed out the house and he left the Bible. He never contacted his father again for a very, very long time. Many years had passed and the young man became very successful in business. He had a beautiful home, a wonderful family, but realized his father was very old and thought perhaps he should probably go see him. He had not seen him since that graduation day. Before he could make arrangements, he received a notice telling him that his father had passed away and willed all of his possessions to his son. He needed to come home immediately and take care of everything. When he arrived at his father's house, sudden sadness and regret filled his heart. He began to search his father's important papers, and then he saw the still new Holy Bible just as he had left it years prior. With tears in his eyes, he opened the Bible and began to turn pages. As he read those words, a car key dropped from an envelope, taped from behind the Bible. It had a tag with the dealer's name on it, the same dealer who had the sports car he had desired. On the tag was the date of his graduation with the words, paid in full. See, my friend, I'm here to tell you, don't miss an opportunity with your father because you want your blessing packaged your way. Your blessing is always right around the corner, but you have to be ready to receive it. And far too often, many times, we want the blessings of God. We're expecting the blessings of God, and rightfully so, you should. However, don't expect it packaged the way that you're looking for it. It's coming, might even be right there with you, might even be right there next to you, but are you able to see what God is trying to show you? Don't miss the opportunity. Now, I remember when I was younger, my mom used to always get me ready to receive something, and when I was younger, she used to say, okay, I'm going to give it to you, and I'd be so excited, I'd be so excited, but she always used to tell me, okay, you have to wait. I'm like, why do I got to wait? Just give it to me now. And I would always wonder, why are you telling me to wait? Why are you telling me to wait? Well, the day would go by, and I would totally forget about what she was going to give me. Totally forget about it. And the day would go by, and then all of a sudden, it'd be the end of the day. It'd be at night, and I'd be like, oh, okay, Mom, are you going to give me what you're going to give me? She said, why would I give it to you now? Well, because you told me earlier today you were going to give it to me. You're like, no, you have a horrible attitude. I'm like, wait, what's wrong with my attitude? You're giving me an attitude. That's why I have an attitude. See, my mom was very smart. She wanted to make sure that I was going to be able to take care of the blessing that she was going to give me. It wasn't just, well, here you go, and you ruin your blessing away. I said, no, no, no. I want to give this to you because I'm your mom. I'm going to give this to you because I'm your father. I just want to make sure that you're going to be able to take hold and have what I'm going to give you, what I promise to you, but you're going to be able to use it properly. And so here this morning, I want you to know that there is a time for everything, but there's also a time for us. 
There's a time for our attitudes, there's a time for our action, and there's a time for authority. See, here this morning, I want to talk to you about these three A's real quick when it comes to understanding the blessings of God. The first one when it comes to giving is your attitude. Somebody say attitude. John Maxwell famously stated, your attitude determines your altitude. Your attitude determines your altitude. Matthew chapter 23, verses 23 and, and 24 is a perfect example of the woes of your attitude. Now, I don't know if you've ever uh, been in a confrontation before and somebody's come off real strong and you just use those words and you go, whoa, whoa, back up, whoa. Well, Jesus himself had his own, whoa, whoa, whoa. Matthew chapter 23, this is what he says. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. You blind guides, you strain out a gnat, but swallow a camel. Now, here in this portion of Scripture, this is a perfect example of the, wait, 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 whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, you're doing all this stuff, and you think you're doing it right, but your attitude is all messed up. Your hands are moving, but your heart is cold. Are you hearing me? See, you're, 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 you're putting stuff to action to what you think it is, but your attitude is all messed up. See, in this portion of Scripture, Jesus just got sick of the Pharisees' attitude and their ways of living, and he gives them the full law. They were only partial to the law. You ever have those people where they're like, well, uh, I'm, doing, I'm telling the half-truth. I'm doing half the work. So that way they could say, I'm doing the work. But yeah, you're not doing the whole thing. Well, yeah, I, to I told you half the truth. Yeah, but you're not telling me the whole thing. That's what was happening here with the Pharisees. Well, I'm doing, you know, part I'm doing the law. But yeah, you're only doing part of it. The other part of it is your attitude. See, you may think you're doing right. Well, I put five bucks. I just did this. And the, what he was talking to them about was their tithe. Well, yeah, yeah, I was doing this. But they had cheapened the tithe with cheapening their attitude. They had cheapened the gospel with their cheapened attitude. And that's what Christ was sharing with them here, that, that they were very strict and precise in smaller matters of the law, but as careless and loose in heavier matters. They were partial in the law. The book of Malachi chapter 2 says that they were being partial to it. They would pick and choose according to their own interests. No, Jesus knowing that what they were giving was cheap, and they had cheapened the tithe with their attitudes they were so caught up in their sacrifice that they omitted their obedience they became more religious than relational luke chapter 21 verse verses 1 through 4 says as he looked up jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury he also saw the poor a poor widow putting in two very small copper coins i tell you the truth he said this poor widow has put more into all others all these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put all she had to live on. See, while everyone else was giving out of their pocket, this woman was giving out of her heart. She was giving out of her attitude. Now, why is attitude so important when it comes to your giving? I'm going to give you three quick things why your attitude is very important. Number one, your attitude is important because it determines our approach to life. It determines our approach to life. There's a story where there was a grandmother and a grandfather, 
and they were visiting their grandchildren. Each afternoon, the, the grandfather would, look, uh, would lie down to take a nap. One day, as a practical joke, the kids decided to put Limburger cheese in his mustache. Quite soon, he awoke sniffing. Woke up, goes, why, this room stinks. The grandfather, he exclaimed as he got up and he went out into the kitchen. And then he wasn't long before he decided there that the kitchen stunk too. So then he walked outside to take a breath of fresh air. But much to the grandfather's surprise, he opened the door and was brought no relief. He said, man, even the whole world stinks. See, how true it is that in life, when we carry around Limburger cheese in our attitude, the whole world stinks. See, your attitude determines even your approach to life. Now, I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but I know that I've done it before. I've gotten into maybe outside of my house. I've been going around and things have happened and I'm just like, oh man, I'm going through it. I'm going through it and certain things are happening and I walk inside the door and my kids are all, daddy, and I'm like, oh, what did you do wrong? Is it their fault? No, it's me. It's my attitude. And I have to be careful in my attitude, in my approach, not just towards the world, but even towards God. How's my attitude? Because it determines my approach towards God. It is impossible for us to tailor make our situations to fit our lives perfectly, but it is possible to tailor make our attitudes to fit every situation. The second reason why our attitudes are important is because it determines our relationships with people. Teddy Roosevelt said the single most important ingredient to the formula of success is knowing how to get along with people. That's, pretty, that's a heavy statement right there. The single most important ingredient to the formula of success is knowing how to get along with people. Having a good attitude will help build others who in turn will help build you. Half of the situation we're looking at is just our attitude. It's our attitude. And it happens a lot of times. I thank God I have a praise report for me. But now this may not be a big deal for you, but it was a praise report for me. Because, man, I was driving along the road. I was listening to music. And a guy cut me off. And you know what I said? Praise the Lord. Now, it's not a praise report for you, but it's a praise report for me. Holla. Preach, preacher. Now, if you've never been cut off, then you have no idea what I'm talking about. But sometimes when you get cut off on the road, you're like, oh, praise the Lord. Strike them down with fire. You know, like that's how we feel. But yeah, maybe they might have done that, but they can't control your attitude. Only you can control that. They may be going and taking out of control with the wheel, but what you need to do is let Jesus take the wheel. It determines how we are with others. Also, the third thing is that it can turn our problems into blessings. I like what Sidlow Baxter said. He said, what is the difference between an obstacle and an opportunity? It is our attitude towards it. Every opportunity has a difficulty, and every difficulty has an opportunity. Oh, I like that. I'm going to say that one more time. Every opportunity has a difficulty, and every difficulty has an opportunity. See, a person with a, uh, an outstanding attitude, when confronted with a difficult situation, makes the best of it while he gets the worst of it. 
A person with the right attitude will understand that he will make the best of it even while he gets the worst of it. Our attitude determines our altitude. It determines if you're going to be flying high today. Hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm feeling great today. And I want you to know something. That's not determined by your situations. See, a lot of times we become happy because of our happenings. That's the reason why we're happy. And if you are only happy based on your happenings, you're never going to understand true joy. You're never going to really understand true joy. Now, I wrote this to, to share this, that uh, when my father had passed away, and I only take this because somebody told me about it. I didn't even think of it this way. But when my father had passed away, he was very surprised. He told me this a year later. He said that he had called me when my father passed away, and I left uh, uh, at the time, you know, I, uh, right when he, my father passed, I left a voicemail for people to answer because there were so many people that were calling me. So I just left a voicemail. Now, I didn't know it, that it affected him, but he was so uh, excited by it because he told me a year later, he said, I just want you to know I had called you the day that your father passed away like many others did, but he, he wanted me to know. He goes, man, I was so encouraged by your answering machine. I go, really? He goes, man, I've never heard somebody with such a positive attitude on a negative outlook. And I, I didn't know it, but at that time, because I, I really said, I, I kind of vaguely remember what I said in the answer machine, but I had said that my father had an eternal healing and that he had been in the right place at the right time. We always try to control, oh, cancer will not have, cancer will not have, cancer, but what happens when cancer does have? Then what are you going to do? Then what happens? See, because if we do that based on happenings, then I'm completely sad. I'm completely devastated. I'm completely just totally messed up. Now, my wife knows me. I'm, it's very difficult to devastate me. I'm like, I mean, it, it would have to be a huge, huge. I can honestly say without a shadow of a doubt, in my life, even throughout the experience that I've ever had, I don't think I've really never, ever, ever been devastated. Now, I'm not saying based upon situations. I'm just saying that based upon my attitude. I try my best. I try my best to make sure. Now, there has been devastating situations that have been close to me where I've been, man, that's, that's a hard one. Those are, I don't know what I would do, I would handle, but I'm praying with them. I'm believing with them. Family members, man, I'm believing with them. But I want you to know something. Our attitude really will determine our approach towards life. If you really want to know what kind of joy you're going to have, I want to see the kind of trials that you have right now. Because for some of us, some of us, we go through simple little trials. Oh, my God. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. What happened, sister? Are you okay? My nail came off. No. I just spent $60. No. Now you're looking at me going, oh, he's drama. You want to know the funny thing is? That's how some of you act. I'm not talking to the women. Now, obviously, men are a little bit different. They may not do that. But inside, I'm a, I'm a guy. I, we, you know what we do? We go into a room and close the door. Don't talk to me. I don't want to hear it. Hey, but don't talk to me. We're nothing. Inside, that's how we are. Inside, ah, but on the outside. 
you looking at? And if you're honest with yourself, you would know that sometimes, listen, you got to change your attitude. It's not her fault. It's not his fault. Listen, I know things have been have happened to you in the past. However, you now have the opportunity to turn that obstacle into a blessing. It's your choice. We can't control, you can't control, I can't control the past of what has been done to me. However, I can change my future, how how I act right now in the present. Your attitude. Look at your neighbor and say, your attitude. Now, the second part of giving is your action. Somebody say action. Now, first I talked about your attitude in giving. But now the second part is the action. James chapter 2 verse 17 says, faith without works is... Now, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 says, Now faith, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word evidence in the Greek means el enkos. In other words, uh, translated in English means proof or conviction. The evidence is a conviction. It is proof. Now what's very important is this. Now faith is not works, but it needs works to stay alive. Now, many will come to me on that day. Lord, Lord, did I not? Didn't I do this? Didn't I? So this is very important. I want you to understand this. In other words, you cannot say, I believe in God, but you don't keep his commands. I'm a Christian, but there's no fruit whatsoever to your belief. You have to have some action to your belief. I believe in life. Therefore, I do not believe in abortion. That's just the way that it is. If you're for something, you will be against something else. That's just the way that it is. Now, let me ask you this. How many here are 49er fans? Okay. That sounded horrible right there. I was, I felt very shameful right now. That's the first time that's ever happened, right? Wow. I think it's because the Raiders earlier when I'd said that, they were like, oh, yeah, yeah. And the Niner fans like, I don't want to get stabbed. I don't wanna... I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Let's go. Strike that from the. Take it off the podcast. Sort of One more time. How many 49er fans? Okay. Now, out of you 49er fans, how many of you have 49er gear? How many of you have been to a 49er game? It's still, it was only loud over here. I was like, see, because at first, I've seen a lot of your hands, but see, because fanaticism means being fanatical. And in other words, people will know you are a Niner fan. They see you wearing Niner gear. They see you at a Niner game. Same for Raiders. They see you having a Raider. They could tell, oh, he's got a Raider phone. He's got a Raider on his car. Like, that's a person with some action to their belief. I believe in my team, therefore I will take action to it. I can tell they're Giants fans. They're sitting here, they got Giants on, they got Giants hat, they're Giants. Okay, there's action. Now some of you, if I were to talk to you about the Giants, then I say, okay, give me some players on the Giants. I don't know anybody. Well, that's, that becomes, are you a fan or not? I can tell 
who are real fans. And that's why so many like, like Raider fans get mad at Niner fans and they have bandwagons because those bandwagon fans, they call them that because they don't really know the team and vice versa. Those are just people that just say, I'm a Niner fan because they're winning or I'm a Raider fan because they're winning. They just jump on the bandwagon. They're not real. They don't put some action to their belief. Well, it's the same with Christians. If there is no action to, I believe in Jesus, but I ain't giving no tithe, you ain't really a Christian. How, how could I believe you? You say it, yay, I go to church. Well, the devil comes to church too. He'll be waiting for you as soon as you walk out the door. So that's, that's not the part of it. The Bible says that even demons believe and they tremble. So it's not the belief, it's your action. Look at your neighbor and say, action. See, the, the story of the widow woman in the book of Luke chapter 21 that we read earlier, see, Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus was standing there or sitting there at the synagogue and he was looking at everybody's actions. He was looking at what people were, uh, you know, were doing. Now, how else would Jesus know unless he saw? He was actually looking at their actions. And then he's gathered the disciples and said, hey, look at this. Do you see what she did? She put some action to her belief. Everybody else, I could tell their attitudes. They're just putting out of their wealth. But this woman, her action goes far beyond what everyone else was doing. There was some action to it. The Bible says in John chapter 13, verse 35, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, love is an action. Somebody say action. When Jesus said this, he had just got done washing the disciples' feet. Now, I don't know about you, but that has got to be one of the most humbling acts that I could ever think of that anybody can do, even if you're a married couple. That is humbling. There has to be some action. I love you. I love this. I lo like you. There has to be some action to it. For those of you that say, well, I mean, I love this hamburger here at this place, or I love this pizza at this place. Well, the way that I know is not by your words. You're actually going there and take partaking of the pizza. There's some action to your words. You have to have some action. Look at your neighbor and say, time for some action. See, I can't see all, but I can see some. You can't see all, but you can see some. We can see the action. We can see the result. We can see the fruit. Somebody say fruit. And it's very important that we understand this. Listen, and, and I know when it comes to giving and when it comes to money and when it comes to finances, it's almost like, okay, wait, wait, wait. We're going to talk about money. I don't want to talk about that. But the crazy thing was is that when you read the life of Jesus, he was very hard when it came to giving and very hard and even rebuking Pharisees and the disciples when it came to finances and their attitude towards it. See, we have become very light on the things that Jesus was hard on. And we've become very hard on the thing that Jesus was light on. We've reversed it. See, we need to get back to understanding what does God want me to really do when it comes to the kingdom and when it comes to kingdom giving and when it comes to kingdom building. We need to understand this. See, I'm saying this because I don't want your tithe to become a tip. Are you hearing me? See, because when you go to a restaurant, it's a, eh, no big deal, big deal, I know that, five bucks, okay, whatever, you know, it's just whatever. 
Right? If we're honest, sometimes, now for those of you that maybe you're really, you kind of do every little decimal and you put, okay, the percentages, okay, fine. But the majority, if we're honest, most people, we just tip kind of accordingly how we feel. You know, oh, I got good service. Okay, it was good. And that's how sometimes we can even do here. Oh, the church, it was a good service. I'm going to give good. Oh, church, it was bad service. They didn't have air conditioning. I'm not giving anything. And so we do that based upon a service. We do it based upon happenings. And all of a sudden, when the bucket passes, it becomes a tip and not a tithe. Jesus was very understanding, and he understood the Bible times, or excuse me, he understood these times, and we need to understand the times that we need to understand that it's the fruit of who we are that's why we give. Not based upon, well, I'm just going to do it because the guy with the microphone said I better put something in the basket or I'm going to go to hell. No, actually, that's not what I'm saying whatsoever. Matter of fact, what I am saying, if you don't want to put anything in the basket, don't put it in the basket. But at the same time, don't get mad at me if you have little itty, 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 itty bitty fruit. When people look at your actions, it's not me. It's the action. Look at your neighbor say, action. And the last, the last one is authority. Somebody say authority. Matthew chapter 28, verse 17 says, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. Now, what was heavy about this scripture is that even when you read it, there in the verses before, even prior, the Bible says that there were even on this mountaintop, there were doubters. Read it for yourself right there. It says that some doubted. Some didn't truly believe. Yet, nevertheless, Christ told this even to the doubters. He told it to them. Even though you're doubting, he says, look, I got some authority. You can have it if you use it properly. Use the authority properly and you are going to have great results see everything that had been given to him he has given to us now if i go into a store and i purchase a television such like this and i get this television and i get it and i pay for it it's nice i'll take it now if i take it off the rack and i throw it on the ground and i throw it there some of you guys are gonna look at me and go man why would you do that well i can do what i want i pay for it mine you can mad at me all you want but I have the authority to do whatever I want with it it's mine see you have been paid with a price you're God's he paid for you with his blood so that's why he could say all authority that I have I give it to you and he can do what he wants with you, even to the doubters. That's why sometimes you'll see certain people, they're getting blessed left and right, and you're like, how come they're getting blessed? I come to church more than they do. Because God could do whatever he wants to. How come they're getting this house? How come they're getting the car? How come, man, I do more than they do. I do more actions. See, that's where Jesus was saying, look, 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 listen to me. Listen to me, Pharisee. I, li listen to me. Your attitude. Your, watch your attitude. Oh, man. See, well, he's the final authority. He can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, because he wants. It's the authority. Now, this is what's very important. All authority that has been given to him, he gave it to you. Look at your neighbor and say, he gave it to you. Now, what's very important is who's in authority. Proverbs chapter 29, I'm coming close to a closing right here. Verse 2 says, when the righteous are in authority... The people rejoice. Some of your translations say, when the righteous are in authority, the city 
rejoices. Doesn't it say that? The city will rejoice. The word righteous in the Hebrew means sadak. Somebody say sadak. Come on, I'm trying to teach you Hebrew here. Say sadak. All right, we're going to get it here. Somebody, sadak, you know, the Jewish. There's another word, sadaka. Somebody say sadaka. Say sadaka. That word means generous. Now, in the kingdom of God, it is impossible to be righteous and greedy. In the kingdom of God, it is impossible to be righteous and greedy. There are over 2,100 verses that connect righteousness with generosity and greed with wickedness. Matter of fact, we were singing the song just a little bit earlier. Psalms chapter 37. I was young, but now I'm old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor their seed or children begging for bread. But I like verse 26 says, they are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. That's what tzedakah means, putting others before us. You see, sometimes we teach righteousness in the wrong way. If you don't do this, you're righteous. If you don't do that, you're righteous. See, I don't drink, therefore I'm a righteous person. I don't cuss anymore, therefore I am a righteous person. But in the Jewish culture or in the Bible culture, it has nothing to do with what you're not doing. It has to do with what you are doing. Who are you? Now, I've been touched by some of these videos that people have been sending me. Very, very touched uh, by a, a lot of them. One video in particular that really got me was uh, there was these guys. They, they kind of go around and they kind of do little pranks, right? They do little pranks, whatever. Well, the prank was on them on this one particular prank because what they did was they, said, uh, they set it up where they said, I'm going to get a homeless man and I'm going to get another homeless man and we're going to make them arm wrestle. Right, they're going to make them arm wrestle, and we're going to tell them the winner gets $100, right? The winner gets $100, and the loser is going to get, you know, they don't know it, but they're going to tell them, we're just going to give them $50, but they're not going to tell them that. They're only going to say that there's one winner, right? That's how they set it up. So they got one homeless guy and another homeless guy, and they set it up, and they said, all right, you know, they think, all right, you know, they're just going to arm wrestle. So they arm wrestle right there in the middle of Times Square in New York. They got one man, they picked him up off the ground. They got another guy, picked him up. Said, hey, come on. And they put him right there thinking, you know, hey, we're going to get you. We'll just let you know, hey, we're, we're going to be nice guys. So they go there, and boom, one guy wins, right? And he goes, all right, I'm a man of my word. Here's $100. And the homeless man, I'll never forget this. I was watching it. I go, wow. Homeless man gets it. He goes, man, thanks, man. And he gives $50 to the other guy. And the guys were like, wait, wait. Oh, like you're messing with us here we were going to give him $50 you didn't know we were going to you see what I'm saying see because it's all about the heart and the attitude he gave with the action and therefore when you have that action the people in the city will rejoice there's joy in the city when the righteous are in authority when you get in your right place See, when you get in the right place at the right time, things happen properly. See, the reverse is when, th this is the reverse. Have you ever been uh, driving and all of a sudden you look in the rearview mirror and you see a cop behind you? Right? You see a cop right away. You're like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Do I have a seatbelt? Like some of you are like, oh, my gosh, my seatbelt. I don't have it on. Don't move. Don't move. Don't move. Don't move. I'm just stretching my neck. I'm just stretching my neck. I'm just stretching my neck. 
Yes. Yes. All right. Yeah. You say, I mean, you start thinking. And for, the, for others of you, you start thinking, oh, my gosh, do I got warrants? Do I got warrants? I think I got warrants. You got warrants. Babe, you got warrants? I know you got warrants. A homegirl, oh, my God, you got warrants. We can't be having warrants right now. I mean, we start thinking about anything. Oh, did I fix the light? Is it the tail light? Did I, oh, the insurance, my registration. And everything starts going through your head. Now, did the policeman pull you over? No. What did he do? All he did was get in his rightful place. And when he gets in his rightful place, you start getting in your rightful place. All because the authority are in the right position. When the righteous are in authority, it's the reverse. Instead of people going, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. When the righteous, when you and I are in our rightful place, the rest of the people, oh man, I'm glad you're here. I can rest at ease now. I have a peace now. I have a peace that surpasses all understanding. Even though I'm going through it, even though I feel like I can't make it out of here, as long as you're here, as long as you're here, I have a peace now. When the righteous are in authority, the city will rejoice. The people feel good. The, the city of Hayward will then come in and say, man, we need more churches. We need more people like Victory on Return of the Bay. Why? Because these are righteous people. They're a giving people. They're not all about taking. They're not all about hustling. They're all, all about taking from people, but they're actually a giving church. They're a giving people. Whenever they show up, they never want to take from us. They want to give to us. Those are the kind of people that we need in this city. When the righteous are in their rightful place, the people will rejoice. My prayer is, is that whenever we show up to city events, that people will go, amen, good job, Victory Outreach is here. Now, they may not say amen, they may not say praise the Lord, but they're going to feel a peace that makes them want to say amen. How is it when you show up to people's houses? Do people go, oh, man, here we go, oh, this, this guy, oh, this girl, I don't know. Or is it, oh, good, they're here. We're going to have a good time now. There's blessings coming. I don't know what it is, but whenever she shows up, there's blessings around her. That's why the Bible calls it overflow. In other words, you're not just blessed, but even people around you get blessed. The blessings. There's just certain people I just like to be around. Why? Because there's just overflow. Nothing's happening, but I just like to be around them. Why? Because there's an overflow. Look at your neighbor and say, Overflow. See, this is something that you and I have to understand when it comes to the attitude, the action, and the authority. That God was always trying to share with us who we should be as a people, a giving people. Now, as they come to the piano here this afternoon, the Bible says in Luke chapter 3, just turn there with me if you can. Luke chapter 3, I'm, I'm closing right here. Verse 7. Luke chapter 3, verse 7. This really got me because in this story, there's John in the desert. And he saw that a lot of people were coming to him. Now remember, in this portion of scripture, he wasn't going to them. They were coming to him. John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers. Who warned you? To flee from the coming wrath. 
Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now, just really quickly. Those words are not words that you could say like, well, any tree that doesn't produce fruit... Um, we're, we're, we're just, you know, we're going we're gonna to cut you down. Is that okay? Is that all right? Is, is it okay that we do that? You know, because I know you're not doing like the, the, the work of the Lord or you think you are, but you know, you know what I'm saying. See, a lot of times we get real light on the things that the word is heavy on. He says, basically, John the Baptist said, hey, hey, what's wrong with you? Getting all religious. Getting all holier than now. What, what, what's the deal? What, what are you up to? You think your life is all about just you and you alone? That's basically what he's saying. And he says, brood of vipers. It's really like uh, basically calling you snake. You rat. What's wrong with you? Now look at this. This is what really got me. Look with me here in verse 10. Then the crowd asked John, after he rebuked the living daylights out of him, they said, what should we do then? John answered, the man with two tunics should share with him who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. Hold on one second, hold on. He just rebuked the living daylights out of him. Shouldn't he have said, go to church, pray 24 hours? What you, no, what you need to do is pass out more flyers. That's what you need to do. He says, no, if you got food, give to somebody. And if you've got extra clothes, give to somebody who needs clothes. Isn't that pretty heavy? That to me is, that's a heavy statement. That all of a sudden, he would come off and just rebuke them and say, okay, what you need to do is give. What? Doesn't make any sense. When I get rebuked, I'm supposed to like, you know, do something else or just just work on my attitude and you know then that's it and I'll fix it for this moment but then I'll go right back to being exactly who I am that's the normal thing John says no 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 no. listen you've been doing things in the reverse way you came out here to get baptized well I'm gonna baptize you I'm gonna baptize you this way telling you listen if you're gonna come in this water you need to learn how to be a giver you have to learn how to be a giver. Don't be self. The word selfish and Christianity should not come together. Now, listen to me. This is very important. I, cl I close with this. For those of you that feel, and, and even uh, I was talking with somebody the other day, and, and we were talking about, you know, Christianity as far as, you know, how much we come to church, our church attendance and things of that nature. Now, if, you, if you've been here the past couple weeks, attending church is very important, so don't negate what I'm about to say. Come to church. It's very important for your soul. It's very important for your family. It's very important for your future. However, church attendance is not going to get you into heaven. So if you're thinking, as long as I show up and come to church, people are going to see me and I'm going to be all right. This is exactly what John was saying. Saying, what's wrong with you? It's not about church attendance. It's not about lifting your hands. Just saying, look, everybody look at me, everybody look at me. Saying, look, if you really want some fruit, if you really want to produce fruit, if you got food, and you see somebody in need, give it to them.
If you've got extra clothes, now listen to me. This comes against all of American culture. Because all of American culture is about get and get and get and get and get. That's American culture. Get as much as you can and have the biggest closet that you can. We love, I mean, we, we love closets so much, we even like to walk in them. We'll even call them walk-in closets. And if we have walk-in closets, we're blessed. <laughs> I'm so blessed. See, I'm, I'm messing with some of your guys' philosophies right now. I know I am. That's okay. You could talk to me after. Oh, I'm so blessed. Well, there's a season that says you want to be more blessed. There's a blessing in receiving, but there's also you want to be more blessed. It is more blessed to, than to receive. Nothing wrong with receiving. Nothing wrong with coming to church. Nothing wrong with dressing up nice. There's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely nothing wrong. I love to dress nice. There's nothing wrong with coming to church. I love to come to church. This church, I, I love coming to this church in particular. I love the family here. I love the people here. I love the men here, the women here, the children. I love it here. This is awesome. If I wasn't pastoring this church, I would still come to this church. I mean, this is a great church. It's an awesome church. I love it here. This is powerful here. However, this church is not my Christianity fruit. It's not. How I'm going to be fruit, they're going to know my fruit by the love I have for people. By the love that I have for one another. If I am consistent and faithful in my giving. If I am faithful in who I am. Now listen to me. It's not the amount that you have. It's the consistency of your attitude and action when the authority that you have. Are you hearing me? Listen, I don't care if you put $5 in the bucket. But my prayer is that you will be consistent with $5. Be faithful in the little and God will put you over much. There's over 2,100 scriptures that connect them together. Jesus talked more about finances and giving than death, hell, and salvation combined. Christ talked more about money. And yet sometimes we say, okay, when the pastor talks about money, uh, uh, then if you really want to get mad at me, read the scriptures. Then you're really going to get mad at me. Well, we shouldn't, the Bible, I don't know, this is crazy. If you really want to get a financial plan, I mean, I'm not really going off on this, but here's a cuss word for many of you. It's called budget. Try it. It works. I mean, it's funny how we, how we think as Christians, like, God's just going to bless me because I, I, I'm his. Well, if you're just like a parent like me, sometimes I'm like, eh, you, you got a line right now. If I give this to you, I don't know if you're going to be able to handle it. Now, thank God he's God and he's not like me. He don't think like me. Thank God for that. Because sometimes God even blesses me even when I don't deserve it. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. But I want to be able to be a blessing to those in overflow as best as I can. I don't want my hand to be open and it just flow right through and I missed it. I don't want the package my way because I wanted the sports car from my dad the way I wanted it. I wanted the presentation this way. They didn't give it to me this way, so therefore I'm not going to receive whatever they get. No, that's not right. No, my friend. When you have the right attitude, you'll be able to get the right action and you'll be in your rightful place. When the righteous, the generous, the generous, the generous, Sadak and Sadaka, that's who you are. You can't separate the two. A righteous person is a generous person. I'm a Christian. I will see by your fruit. I love the Lord. I will see by your fruit. 
I will see by your fruit. Now, I want to challenge some of you here today. If you're not a tither, let today be the day that you say, you know what? I'm going to be consistent in my giving. I may not be consistent in my attendance, but I'm going to be consistent in my giving. And watch. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be. And if your heart is there, then prayerfully your feet will be. Are you hearing me? My prayer is that we're going to have men and women that are filled with joy, filled with righteousness, that want to be givers unto God. That God will want to bless you accordingly. Be a window and say, God, use me to bless others. Bow your heads with me. When the righteous are in authority, the city will rejoice. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray for some of you here today. I want the ushers and usherettes to go ahead and get ready, but I want to pray for some of you here this morning that maybe you have not been consistent in who you are as a fruitful man or a fruitful woman of God. And you say, you know what? I want to be that fruitful man, that fruitful woman. Listen, sometimes I know a lot of, a lot of times people say, well, I don't like to talk about money because, well, you know, people get funny. No, my friend, I preach this message with conviction. With every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, the ushers and usherettes, just stand right there. Don't pass out no envelopes yet. Because I want to pray for many of you. So even the ushers and usherettes, go ahead and bow your heads if you can. I want to pray for many of you that it's not about the amount of money that goes into your bank account. But it's the righteousness that you have in your heart that disperses what goes from your bank account. A generous man, a generous woman. Because when you're a generous person, all is right with the word of God, with the will of God. With every head bowed and every eye closed.